Welcome to Everyday Wellness. Wellness is the result of the decisions that you make every day. It's your mindset and the thoughts you believe. Wellness is the food you put in your body and the relationship you have with yourself and others. Wellness is your work and meaning. Join us on Everyday Wellness as we explore ways that you can choose wellness today. Hello, everyone. We are so excited today to have with us Anthony Giordano. Anthony, aka Italian Goes Keto, turned 35 years old this year and two years ago was pushing 200 pounds. And as a five foot eight inch male, that put him squarely in the obese category. Anthony did what most Italians wouldn't do he gave up carbs, pasta, pizza, bread, cannoli and lost 50 pounds in 11 months on a low-carb ketogenic diet. Today, Anthony continues to optimize his own health and coaches others, including family, friends, and clients who are struggling with obesity and type 2 diabetes. Anthony is passionate about educating others on metabolism and sharing how he got where he is today with a focus on lifestyle change and family has found that food eventually adapts to you instead of the other way around. Welcome, Anthony. Oh, hi, guys. It's great to be on. Thank you for having me. Well, I have to laugh. I I have an Italian mother and (laughs) the whole concept of Italians going low carb to me is ultra fascinating because the culture is... Um, really not equipped to deal with that. You know, it's such a, you know, Italians in general are very food focused and in a very loving way. It's a way of demonstrating our love and concern for one another. Uh, So I can imagine for you, you know, introducing this concept of going low carb or even going ketogenic uh, probably took a bit of time for your family to kind of wrap their heads around literally. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. Um, it always comes from a place of love and uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of what you know while I'm going through this process it's trying to make sure that the family recognizes that you know it, it's nothing personal it's about my own health um, but yeah it's, it's like a double whammy with the Italian culture where you've got the massive plates of food the serving sizes um, mm-hmm. at least like, uh, you know American Italian you know yeah but uh, really then there's the carbohydrate piece, right? So you've got these mm-hmm. massive portions. You, you're going to clean your plate, right? That's how we're raised. And then uh, it's a second portion, a third portion. And it's all pasta, pizza, bread. Which never fills you up. Yeah. It just, it's just, it's almost impossible to, you know, stop, fini- to, to stop without finishing that plate. <laughs> I can imagine. So I would love for you to explain to our listeners, you know, how you kind of came to the idea of considering this type of diet and what a ketogenic diet to you really represents. Because I think that um, there's a lot of misinformation about a ketogenic diet um, that's out there in the media and social media, especially. And um, I, I just think it's really helpful to have, you know, if our guests have a specific kind of nutritional pattern that they, they really, you know, embrace, it's always helpful to hear it in their own words, as opposed to me just parroting off what I talk to my patients about. Sure. I think I've heard a lot of people describe similar journey, right? Uh, for me, uh, it all started with, uh, actually, my, my wife, she was six months pregnant. And uh, in the intro, thanks, Kelly. Um, basically, I was pushing 
200 pounds, I was obese, um, and that kind of just snuck up on me. So I found my reason is basically to be around for for my little girl that was coming, right? And now I've, I've actually got a little boy as well. And I wanted to be there for them because I see most Italians in my family and in my social circle they're as they get older they're just continuing to accrete weight slowly uh, without changing anything so i started by removing processed foods um that was a really you know big win um mostly we would eat you know those you know frozen pizzas they're low fat uh, and then of course there was the pasta and uh you know i think i was eating pasta maybe three or four times a week you know, low-fat marinara sauce, right? And it just wasn't working. So I started to see that even though I had removed these processed foods, something still wasn't working. So I tried exercising more, of course, as, as I had always done throughout my, you know, through high school and university and in my adulthood, right? Uh, trying to exercise more. And when I would do extreme exercise, you know, long runs, lots of weight training, it would work. But it wasn't sustainable, and I was always finding myself uh, really quite hungry because I'm also trying to control calories, right? You know, the calories in, calories out model. And I know that you did your TED Talk on that, uh, Cynthia, and how it really yes. doesn't work, right? <laughs> no. Um, and that's such a great talk, by the way. Um, Thank you. I, I really do love that one. Um, I share you. it with a lot of my friends and family because I think one of the big challenges in doing this, as you alluded to, is getting the buy-in mm-hmm. uh, and being raised in the 80s and 90s again like it's another double whammy you know not to use the phrase again but you know you had the low-fat culture that uh my parents were taught right was the healthy way to eat and then they were of course trying to do their best um by keeping me away from fatty foods and you know we had margarine in the house and uh, you know, you weren't going to eat, you know, as much bacon as you want, right? Of course, the saturated fat question, I think everyone is familiar with the history there and how it was demonized, right? Um, so the Italian food, it's not necessarily what you would think would be bad. I mean, it's a lot of carbohydrate. That's what we were taught to eat. That's the food pyramid, right? So you think that you're following it, but you're really not. So that's kind of how I got to keto as I, I, I started to learn a little bit about metabolism, <clears throat> pardon me, and uh, read books like, you know, uh, Why We Got Fat and What to Do About It by Gary Taubes and mm-hmm. um, a couple great books about, um, you know, you know Jason Fung's book on the obesity code. That one was a real mm-hmm. game changer for yeah. me. Um, but I was fortunate enough that when I was really searching for something, there were these real answers out there uh, on social media and on the internet and I find myself very fortunate to just be coming on the scene pretty recently, like only in the last year and a half, two years, uh, and able to leverage a lot of what's already been done by these, you know, the names like, you know, Professor Tim Noakes and Gary Fetke and uh, Zoe Harcomb and, and of course you. Um, I mean, there's so much already out there information and, and the results and people sharing what they have succeeded doing made it easy for me to to try it at least right i think that's the hardest thing is for people to actually give it a legitimate shot Mm -hmm. so i was able to say okay let's try what what everyone's saying i'm gonna lower the carbs (laughs) and to do that was of course uh you know 
difficult conversation around the the Sunday dinner table at my nonna's house, right, is what's wrong with you? Are you sick? Is there something wrong? Why aren't you eating the pasta? I said, no, no, don't worry. No, no I'm going to have, uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to pass on the, uh, on the pasta course. And maybe I'm just going to have those, you know, amazing sausage that you made, or, you know, these great, uh, pieces of veal that I can try, or these shrimps that you've, you know, cooked up for everybody. I mean, that's, that's actually the best stuff. And I do remember, even all through my youth, it's like, okay, let me get through the pasta so I can get to the meatballs or that I can get to the the other good food. Um, mm. So just removing it was kind of the first step. And that's kind of what, like, your, your second part of your question was, what's keto to me? And it's just whole foods, real foods. Uh, I don't... There was a period when I was first going keto that I was artificially trying to hit certain um, fat macro percentages in my diet. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of have relaxed on that. I found that I would actually find myself feeling that fat nausea, um, like that over satiety feeling, mm-hmm. um, which was actually novel to me because I guess that shows I really never overate on fat in the past. Mm. So when you overeat on fat, there's a really different kind of satiety that hits you. So when I started to feel that, I'm like, I don't think this is really for me. Although the energy was there, I just dialed back the fat and really focused on keeping the carbs as low as possible and eating real foods. Um, the only real added fat is from what I'm cooking with, uh, or like a, a mayonnaise or a condiment or something like that that goes with the protein that I'm eating. So that's what's keto to me. I hope that answers those questions. Oh, so much good stuff. And <laughs> before we dive in and kind of dig around in what you just said, I just want to go back to what you said at the very beginning, where you talked about your why and sort of having this reason for doing it that helped you to say no to the pasta and the carbs as you were getting into this. And I'm wondering how many of your clients and the people with whom you work have a why and if you work with them on kind of starting with a why. Yeah, um, that's a that's really the genesis of the change. Um, I can't really say that I would have tried this diet if I didn't have that wake-up moment. And I don't think you can coach someone. I mean, this this is the funny thing. In like, in the sphere of people who have succeeded doing low-carb keto and they see results, they're so passionate, like myself included, about trying to share that with family, friends, and people who are clearly suffering and could benefit from it. But I find that it's near impossible to get their ear um, if they don't have for themselves that that why that we just spoke about, right? Like it, it has nothing to do with being disciplined. It has nothing to do with um, having more willpower than someone else because clearly I was just as disciplined and or lack of discipline and lack of willpower that others would consider themselves having because I was obese you know, along with everyone else. So there's not like I suddenly found my why and obtained this willpower. It's really, I found a reason why for myself and I attach my health to it. And this was something, um, I was at a work conference and we were given a, this great um, kind of a, kind of a team building type seminar where, you know, they were doing a little rah-rah speech and someone who had climbed Mount Everest was giving their talk and uh, basically said, you know, to, to accomplish anything, you need to attach like a goal to what you want to accomplish. And that really hit a chord because at the time I was overweight and my wife was pregnant. So I'm like, oh, this is what I can attach to my health because I was struggling with how 
how I might stay motivated. So you really need to find that why because that's going to keep you accountable and that's going to be mm-hmm. your purpose. Um, and I don't think you can coach someone to have that. And that's, I think, the most mm-hmm. frustrating part of, uh, of what I'm doing now is uh, the slowness with which there's an uptake within those who I believe really could benefit from making this drastic change. Mm-hmm. They need to find their why for themselves. Um, so it kind of makes it their mission. And, you know, no matter who you might offend. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting edge technology and human expertise. So you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I've used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code EWP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armra Colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armra's colostrum strengthens immunity, ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mycosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including 
including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And Armrest Colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced, and it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's dot com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. Um, by, you know, not indulging in a cake at a birthday party, which happens every week, right? Or not eating <laughs> Nona's cannoli, right? Um, you know, you know, I know that I'm going to hurt Nona's feelings, but I think um, if she understands where I'm coming from and I can explain to her, I say, look, Nona, I want to be around for my little girl, you know, and I want to be able to play and uh, she's going to want me there. I think that trumps everything. And uh, because the Italian culture is that, place of where family is first i think that helps switch at least to to kind of allow anthony to do his thing you know like Mm -hmm. okay okay we understand why he's doing his thing now um so if there are people who are struggling with wanting to start a diet like this where they are going to be excluding foods that uh come from a place of love i guess you could say as you already said you know it, it does come from a place of love um to really make your priorities known to those who might not understand because it's not really about the food it's about being together and it's about wanting to be healthy and and, and doing something for yourself i think once people understand that that's why you're doing it and it's not that you don't like the pasta or that it's something (laughs) personal (laughs) because of course i like the pasta like no one no one's gonna tell me uh zucchini noodles are any better than homemade uh, (laughs) right right i'm not deluding myself right i don't suddenly have a a new preference for zucchini noodles, trust me. Um, so I think when they understand why you're doing it, and then of course they see the results, you know, that's yeah, that's right. the next level is they see, you know what, he's lost a, a lot of weight and that's what I'm seeing now in my, uh, in my family and in my social circle is after about a year to, excuse me, a year or two years, people are starting to ask those questions. That's, you know. and that's such an important distinction. You know, I, I think, Having grown up with um, a mom and a stepfather who were Italian, uh, the concept of food is fuel versus food is comfort is a really important distinction. And I think you did a really great job of delineating that you can still be with your family and your loved ones and your friends and enjoy their company and be healthy as opposed to feeling pressured uh, to have to ascribe to a particular way of eating. And, you know, that kind of mindset work um, that we're all talking about is so crucial. <laughs> yeah, and I think, um, I think I can build on what you were saying about eating for fuel. And I've actually found that eating for hunger is very easy. Um, the hard part of going ketogenic is not eating out of special occasions or out of boredom or out of actually the family and social pressures Mm -hmm. um that's like so much harder than just eating for fuel because 
you're eating real food on the keto diet. So as long as you're not trying to make all these special desserts and using these sweeteners. That drives um, me crazy. That's yeah. a huge pet peeve of mine. <laughs> yeah. um, because I think all of those social circumstances and, and family eating occasions, um, it, it just makes others uncomfortable when mm -hmm. you are making a decision that's a little bit different from what everyone else is doing. Mm -hmm. And that uncomfortableness drives people to sometimes behave in a way that would make you feel awkward. Mm -hmm. um, but I think if you understand why that, that behavior is coming out, it's more out of maybe fear of um, like the unknown of, okay, well, why are you doing this? Are you judging me? Um, you know, w if, if you're not eating the bread, do you think that you're better than me? Uh, I find like when you drill down and actually lay out the reasons for why you're doing something, that type of stigma uh, around your decision to eat what you like, it, it almost is the same reason why, you know, no one gives a vegetarian a hard time um, if that's, you know, culturally what they would choose to do. You know, no one's going to say, oh, come on, just have one piece of broccoli to a vegetarian, uh, sorry, one piece of uh, steak to a vegetarian. Like, no, they've culturally decided this is how I am. This is what, you know, I, I choose to do. You know, no one's going to, to try and push a chicken wing on a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think once people understand why you're doing it, no one's going to try and push, you know, a, a piece of pizza on you uh, when they know. In fact, I think I, what I found is that people go out of their way to keep those temptation foods away from you. And it's funny, uh, my in-laws, um, my sister-in-law actually, uh, she's so sweet, and she, uh, she's uh, helping my father-in-law go keto, um, matter of fact, which is a great story. And he's lost a, a bunch of weight that he didn't even know he had to lose. Hmm. And um, it's really a, a remarkable uh, transformation for him. And she's so sweet because she's going out of her way to make these keto desserts, you know, trying to show her love, right, in, in, in a different way, right? And you have to say no still to that, and it's a difficult thing, but having the conversation about why maybe you won't indulge in something like that and just sharing your reasons, it always ends up being a positive output, uh, excuse me, a positive outcome uh, in the end. So I would encourage people who, who feel like maybe they're a little bit scared of getting their feet wet um, for the reason of their family situation to just try and have those conversations. I think that that's the first thing. And I think that there's also, so two things, I think that sometimes when we make changes, other people question it because it shines a light on their choices. And that can be a difficult thing for people just to come to the realization that they have the choice over what they're putting into their body and that it doesn't have to be automatic. So that can be a place where a little bit of, of friction comes up. And then, you know, the other thing I wanted to circle back to was this idea of, of really eating whole foods and having the ketogenic diet and low carb that you practice being very focused on whole foods. There was just an article published in Cell Metabolism that looked at processed food diets versus whole food diets, and it was in a very controlled setting. And it showed that those who were eating this processed food diet, and it wasn't like Twinkies and, 
crazy things. It was just like more convenience food, um, frozen dinners or prepared meals compared to foods that were made with fresh ingredients. Those who were consuming the processed food meals gained two pounds a week where those who in two weeks and those who were eating the non-processed more whole foods lost two pounds. So I think that, yeah, I think that you're, you're really onto something here when going on a ketogenic low carb diet, when you do it in the way that you're talking about, where you're talking about eating very healthy whole foods in and of itself can help with the weight loss process. Yes, I absolutely believe that. Um, and I think it's, it's difficult to classify things like pasta and, uh, like store purchase bread as processed foods. I think if you do that, um, I think it, it really elevates, especially with the Italian uh, culture. Um, because, you know, when we think processed foods, there's a huge range of what you could consider. Like, as you said, you know, we're not talking Twinkies. We're talking, you know, industrially manufactured. But what you would otherwise recognize as maybe real food. Um, but I think, you know, making something for yourself, I think that that's kind of a nice... I think that's a nice segue to like traditions and making real food for yourself because I'm not a huge stickler for like you have to be in ketosis all the time and you cannot ever have a piece of fruit or even pasta you know like personally I'm just I'm still on my my journey of like body recomposition and and so I am still trying to really limit uh, carbohydrate at the time but once I'm at maintenance I see myself making homemade gnocchi with my girl and with my boy and with my wife uh and we're gonna make it from scratch it's gonna be a fun thing and you know we're we're gonna enjoy that we're also gonna enjoy making all the other you know whole foods that we're gonna enjoy together as a family right um i think you know when whole foods come into the kitchen uh, and you kind of celebrate them together as a family there's something magical that kind of happens with that um it's kind of like the traditions that you can remember um growing up with you know sneaking that little piece of uh the little bite of something that you know is like special with your mom you know she came over and like gave you a little oh you know try this before everyone's ready for dinner right it's like oh that's nice right those are little connections and little bonds that you make with your family and that's doable when you're making the food at home with your family. Um, it's not so possible if you're just putting something in the oven or making a little microwave type dinner. Um, so in addition to like the practical application of what you just described, where weight loss is more prevalent in those eating whole foods versus those eating processed foods, um, I would also like to say that you know there's a huge social and um, familial element of preparing food together as a family and then sitting down and enjoying it together. Um, so I think that, you know, that prep in the kitchen, it, it makes these magical memories. Um, and I think that there's something that we might have been, like I think our, our culture, our generation's culture is maybe losing some of that, despite the fact that we have the memories of being raised with that um, element of being in the kitchen with our family and preparing food, we might not be doing the same. Um, so keeping the kids in the kitchen is one of my primary goals. Um, 
you know, for you know, of course, so they can't do much right now. They basically just stir things around and make a mess. But uh, keeping them there and keeping them involved is is something that I I really want them to to learn about. And I and I think that we've got cultures that are growing up that are so disconnected from actually cooking and understanding how to you know grow your food and make your food and all of those things that I think it's so critical that we're investing in our families. You know, I am pretty active on social media and I'll post photos of my 11 and 13 year olds um, in the kitchen. And so um, a good example earlier this week, uh, my 13 year old and I put together, you know, grass fed beef meatloaf and roasted some carrots and, um, you know, sauteed some kale. And I mean, he ate everything. He ate a pound and a half of beef, which is oh, ridiculous. Oh <laughs> um, and so just know that your boys will eventually grow up and eat mountainous amounts of food. Um, and I posted it on Twitter and it was interesting to me. Um, and I did it on Instagram as well. I mean, how many people were commenting, oh, you're raising your kids right? And I'm like, but this is, we can all do this. You know, we're all busy. Yeah. We all, you know, whether you work in the home, out of the home, we're all busy. We all have commitments and demands. And I would rather take, you know, 15, 20 minutes in the middle of my day, take a break from work related stuff, spend time with my son, you know, have him feel empowered that he can put this meal together with supervision and use the (laughs) oven and saute kale and chop things up. Um, And it's really that simple. And, And I think, you know, as your children develop a love and a passion for eating healthy food, they, you know, they may occasionally try some, you know, junky food, but they don't feel good. And they make that connection. You know, real food makes my body feel strong and healthy and I sleep well and I feel good and my mood is stable. But when I eat junk, I'm sleepy, I'm grumpy, I'm argumentative. And so we're starting to make those connections with them, which I think is so, so important. And I love that, you know, you're fostering this, this appreciation um, and desire to, you know, share that with your children, which is so important. And even though they're so young, um, my kids were always, I always had them, even if I had them literally sitting on the floor with a, with a, you know, a, a wooden spoon and, yeah. you know, a, a, just a, 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 even if it was just a, a bowl and making them think that they're helping me and with they're dinner, helping. Um, yeah. they're really still helping easy. because it's, they're helping me because they're keeping themselves busy <laughs> so that I can focus <laughs> on what I need to do. But one thing that I would love for you to kind of touch on, and I know it's it's kind of one of the more technical aspects, and I loved that you talked about how um, for you, ketogenic does not mean hitting certain macro intervals, because I think that's a, a huge misnomer that people feel really disempowered when they realize they can't eat, you know, 150 grams of fat a day, they, they just can't do it and, and function, they don't feel well. Yeah. They use, you know, most of your fats as a as really designed to be an accompaniment, not a focus. And I think that's a huge distinction. Um, and I would love for you to kind of touch on like how many grams of carbohydrates do you aim for every day? Because this is a question I get asked a lot, um, but I would love to get your take on it. I've been using MitoPure for the last two years, and I've added this to my routine for multiple reasons. Number one, it's a foundational supplement for me and my family. It keeps things simple, and I know that I cannot get enough of urolithin A in my food to derive the same benefits. And if you're not familiarized with urolithin A, it's a signaling molecule, but it's also actively involved in anti-aging, energy production. And I take Timeline because of its remarkable remarkable healthy aging solution that activates key critical cellular pathways in my body 
It's a total game changer for healthy aging. I alternate between using the soft gels and powder depending on whether or not I'm traveling. And we know that restoring cellular energy is a key to enduring health. And this is concluded in a recent publication in Nature Metabolism, which is a top scientific journal identifying that newly energized cells may provide many more years of healthy life to people. Yet as we age, we know that cellular energy production naturally declines and reduces our prospects of optimal health and longevity. That's the great thing about Timeline is you can restore cellular energy and support healthy aging. I've noticed the biggest improvements in my energy and sleep levels. We know that Timeline is clinically shown to give our cellular energy generators the mitochondria new power. And when taken daily, it replaces aging mitochondria. So it upregulates mitophagy and rebuilds new ones or mitogenesis. Timeline is the only nutrient that can do what it does. So Timeline renews your cells to a more powerful state. My listeners can get 10% off your first order at timeline.com slash Cynthia. That's 10% off at timeline.com dot com slash Cynthia. I know you're going to love this product. At some point, we've all been sold a big fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believe that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bi Optimizers. Masszymes is a full spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product. With five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today, risk-free. They have a 365-day full money-back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off any order. Sure. And before I talk about that, I'm definitely teaching my two-year-old daughter to say the word argumentative. Okay. <laughs> are you being argumentative today yes. well this is with my teen and my tween i mean you know we we unfortunately <laughs> are in the stage the heavy stage of stinky surly um hormonal sometimes i just look at them and i'm like okay i, I think you just need to vent you yeah. just need to like just get it all out just like you know, when you have a toddler and they have yeah. a temper tantrum just get it all out use your words <laughs> You know, we, we're we still working on that. Yes, argumentative is a fantastic word. <laughs> okay, uh, th- that's my goal for the week is to get her to say that. Okay, so thank you. Uh, but yeah, go, but going to your question on, you know, grams of carbs per day, I'm pretty loose. Like I, I don't track, 
So definitely I'm trying to to keep it under 20 grams of carbs, okay? Because that's okay. just in my wow. brain yeah. what I'm trying to do. Um, but I would say that I'm not tracking... Um, like I, I'm at the stage now that I know, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like a green light, yellow light, red light type, you know, thing that will flash into my brain when I see a certain food. And uh, I'm not eating very frequently during the day. So it kind of helps me gauge, okay, I, right now, this is my lunch. And, you know, do I want to eat this, uh, you know, this handful of, uh, of I don't know, almonds? So it's kind of like, okay, that's a, kind of a yellow light for me because, you know, maybe uh, later I might want to be really careful and maybe not have some berries with dinner, um, mm-hmm. for example. Um, but if I happen to go over that 20 grams, like I said, I'm not really measuring. I can tell by feel. And I actually made a post uh, on my website where I was uh, discussing kind of the telltale signs of being in ketosis. And uh, I think... Like that, I would love to be in that state of ketosis all the time just because of how I feel. Mm-hmm. And I can tell when I've overdone it on carbs. Usually the next morning, I'll have a little bit more of a hunger while I'm, while I'm preparing my, uh, like while I'm preparing breakfast or something for, for my little girl. Because uh, I tend to just skip, uh, skip over breakfast and have coffee. But on the nights where I consume maybe a little bit more carbs or even throughout the day I'd consumed a little bit more carbs than I normally would I do feel a little bit of hunger but of course it diminishes so I almost recognize that that is likely um, my liver glycogen uh, starting to empty after my overnight fast and driving a little bit of um, driving a little bit of hunger that I know is phantom hunger uh, and I can just kind of coffee and and keto on as they say Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of my target is 20 grams a day, but it's a soft target. And I go a little bit more around how I feel. And there are days when I come home, not frequently, but I would say maybe once a month, maybe twice a month, where I'm really jealous of that orange that I just peeled for my daughter. And uh, I plan, okay, after we put them put the kids down, um, I'm going to eat that orange, you know, or I'm going to, you know, have a little bit of that uh, rice that we made uh, for dinner because it just smelled amazing. And I feel a little bit like I want to try that. Um, So not, I would say, dogmatic about um, the amount of carbs that I'm eating a day. But as, you know, doing that 80-20 rule of, you know, most of the time, and I think that it's important to have long stretches of periods of time where you are trying to hit that 20 grams a day or, or like keeping to the target, and allowing yourself maybe a weekly or a bi-weekly kind of uh, off-plan day, right? And, and I don't even like to say off-plan, excuse me. I'd rather say, you know, a planned, you know, carb carb uh, day. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to eat, you know, two sweet potatoes to my face um, or I'm not going to eat a bowl of pasta. But if something looks good, you should allow yourself to eat it um, because you shouldn't feel restricted at all. You should feel satiated, uh, mostly from the the fatty foods and the the whole foods and the vegetables that you're eating day to day. But if the opportunity comes to have something that you really do want to indulge in, just recognizing that if you do indulge in it, you should maybe um, you know balance that with with something. You know whether that be a little bit of a longer fast, whether that be just recognizing that 
if it's it might hamper you from achieving a goal that you have i think that that's okay i think that as long as you know what that food is doing to your metabolism it's okay to go above your limit um just don't be upset if the scale isn't showing what you want or if you're if you're not achieving results as quickly as you want but i would argue that the result of being happy and satiated is actually a result in and of itself separate from um you know any kind of um body composition goal because there's that mental aspect as well right you want to feel relaxed and calm and if you know having a piece of you know non-ketogenic fruit uh, every once in a while is what does it for you i mean go for it that that's what i encourage people to do not to be dogmatic in their diet is basically the message and i think what you're also saying is really being conscious and mindful about what you're eating so if you do want an orange to make that decision and eat the orange and not have it become this whole big thing where you either end up eating it kind of in secret or kind of, yeah. you know, binging on several oranges or sweet potatoes, but yeah. you're being very mindful about it. And you're also not beating yourself up. You're sort of rationalizing it and making steps to adjust in other areas as necessary. Yeah, that's key. And I also love what you talk about with regard to feeling uh, good about it and looking at pleasure and happiness as also an important outcome. I think so often when we do keto, low carb, or any other type of eating plan, we can get very hung up and focusing only on the weight victories or the scale moving. So I yeah. think it's important to also look at these non-weight and non-scale victories and successes and changes and make sure that we're incorporating that into part of our lifestyle. Yeah, I like to, like, I'll go on Twitter and I'll tweet about a non-scale victory just to like, put it on paper, put it out there and like share with it's sure it's sharing with others, but it's mostly actually sharing for myself because I don't diary. I don't journal or anything like that, but just recognizing it, putting it out or just talking to my wife about, you know, Hey, today I felt really good after I did this or today, you know, this happened and it's not directly linked to a ketogenic way of eating, but it is directly linked to, kind of the progress that I'm making, the goals that I'm achieving, and like just my general overall well-being, right? And uh, I think that that, like we, we can't compartmentalize diet and weight loss from your overall health and well-being. Like you are a whole body, you are a whole person. So recognize those mental wins, you know, being able to climb a flight of stairs without being winded. Hey, that's a non-scale victory. Mm -hmm. That's amazing, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to notch your belt one you know to that one hole that you've never really used since you've owned that belt i mean that's amazing that's great you should celebrate that it has nothing to do with the scale well it's been such a pleasure to have you on this morning i'm so glad that you joined us i would love for you to share with our listeners two things that they can incorporate into their daily lives that can help them support health and wellness i think number one is definitely being more open about your your diet um don't hide it i think that that's going to have huge benefits because when others in your family and in your social circle as we discussed know what you're doing i think that that like you'll be surprised by how people go out of their way to 
support you. And you might actually be surprised people might come and ask, uh, whereas before they were maybe a little bit uncertain as to what you were doing. I think that that's, that's an easy one to do is just have those conversations. And second, maybe more practical is, uh, I would say, try, try fasting if you haven't. Um, I think that that's, you know, n nothing like an extended fast or anything like that, although I, I do do them occasionally. Um, but try, just try skipping a meal once in a while. Um, you know, if you're eating satiating foods, if you haven't established a time where you're kind of not eating, and you're kind of eating all throughout the day, just see how you feel. Um, maybe increase the amount of food you would eat at lunch and dinner and try to try that 16 and 8 type fasting. I found that that, that one change... Uh, it actually changes the way that your day is structured. You get more time back that way. And um, yeah, I would say fasting is probably a, a, a quick little hack that you could try if you haven't yet, if you feel like scared. Because trust me, <laughs> a year ago I was not trying fasting. That wasn't even a thing that I would consider. But uh, <laughs> and now I do. So uh, yeah, that's a couple tips. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your journey, and your time with us today. All right. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks for having me on. This was really fun. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find out more about Cynthia and her work at chtwellness.com. And you can find out more about Kelly and her work at everydaytherapist.com. In addition, if you have questions for us or topics you'd like us to address, please email us at everydaywellnesspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.